I'm answering the question. Mm -hmm. Give me an opportunity to do so. Okay. Wow. He was charged. Oh, my goodness. This is just great, you guys. I cannot wait to show you this sound coming to us from Capitol Hill. Merrick Garland just totally taking the fifth on this one. We're going to talk about interest rates, too. The Federal Reserve, not raising. So, you know, even though we have 3.5% inflation, for some reason, they're going to continue letting rates stay frankly, lower than they should be, given that we've got so much inflation. You know, they they just keep kicking the can down the road. That's what they do. Portions of the show brought to you by Legacy Precious Metals, LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's where you should go if you're interested in investing in gold or silver, 1-866-589-0560. I'll put all their information in the show notes, as always. But give them a ring if you're worried about inflation. We can talk about the Fed coming up. But uh, first of all, great to have you here. Make sure, if you haven't, that you have subscribed. I am Trish Regan. You're watching The Trish Regan Show. We are live. Great to see familiar faces. I'm going to get to all of you in just a moment. But first, let's start with this headline line. Woo. Wow. Michael Wolf making the prediction that Fox News will be no more. I actually think I made this prediction a few months ago. Did I not? <laughs> and I've continued to make it only because Fox News, as you know it, as I know it, well, by the way, it's already ceased to exist, but it will get worse. And I do believe that this is a company that is not entirely able to keep up with the times in the way that, say, a Disney is trying to, right? We got word that Bob Iger's trying to sell off ABC. There are some estimates it could go for $4 billion. Fox News, on the other hand, well, it's just got that streaming business that's not quite working. They got rid of the guy that was running it, and I guess they hope that maybe they'll be able to put something together. But why would you? The incentives are all kind of messed up, and they got rid of all their big stars. So why do you watch anymore? I mean, the good news, I guess, is that Jesse Waters is probably a lot less expensive than Tucker Carlson. But if Jesse Waters is smart, he's going to figure out he can pull a Tucker or a Trish or a Megan or a Lou or a Bill O'Reilly. Like any of these people that are talented enough can go out on their own. Therefore, why would you work for Fox if they're telling you what you can and cannot do and, and micromanaging to a level that really nowadays has just become excessive and unacceptable? Well, you wouldn't, right? Not if you have other options. So I guess they got to make sure that they pay their people well enough, but not too well. Now, you don't want them to be too comfortable, right? Because they might just actually be able to go do their own thing. Anyway, <laughs> this book is kind of interesting. I, I've seen some excerpts from it. And look, I, I think that Michael Wolf is a reporter. You, you know, he has his strengths and he has his weaknesses like anyone else. He did that book on Trump. It turned out not all of it was totally on the up and up. And I'm sure there's parts of this one, too, that are suffering from that. In fact, we've already learned through the CNN reporters that did a deep dive on this that apparently Michael didn't go and double check everything with the Fox PR department. His reason for that was because he figured Fox PR would just tell him what he wanted to hear and kind of stonewall him. Nonetheless, when you're coming out with sort of interesting tidbits like this, you want to make sure, right, that you get your facts straight. But I'll share with you some of the things. I mean, I think there's no love lost in terms of Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. I think that's always been quite clear. I think there's always been a tension there. And probably with any president, any Republican president, there would certainly be a kind of tension because I would not be surprised if there's some kind of entitlement there, right, from the Murdoch family, because they're saying, hey, wait a second, we run Fox News and we run the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. So guess what? 
we had a hand in putting you there. So now what are you going to do for us, right? What have you done for us lately? And if you have, if you have people that are, well, say, not necessarily playing that game, well, you're, you're not getting what you paid for, so to speak, right? So Rupert Murdoch's like, hold on. This Donald Trump fellow, you know, he's, he's not doing X, Y, and Z, and I, I thought he would. By the way, I think that's healthy. You don't want a republic or democracy in which you've got a few bigwigs controlling policy. I mean, that's a, an extreme, extremely dangerous and slippery slope type of scenario. So in a, in a really good system of government, no, you don't want the big money controlling everything. And you certainly, I mean, I, I've looked at Fox for a long time and kind of questioned whether it runs the risk of being viewed as a monopoly, right? You don't want one entity controlling so much power and effectively having the ability to control the office of the president of the United States. But um, simultaneously, you know, I think it was a love-hate relationship between Murdoch and Trump because Murdoch knew, look, the guy rates, right? And if we, if we cut the cord with him, as they did, keep in mind, and as they wanted to until they came crawling back, if we cut the cord with him, then do we risk no longer being on top? And we saw evidence of that, of course. You know, Newsmax has been gaining on them. OAN is out there waiting in the wings. And you have other networks, News Nation, again, not so much a conservative network. They try very hard to be right down the center. But hey, anything over the extreme left that you see over at MSNBC and CNN. But, you know, there just were a few too many things, perhaps, on the way to the forum that really freaked out the establishment, whether it was me saying, hey, you know, coronavirus has been completely politicized to the point where this is just nuts and you shouldn't shut down the country. That was my one big criticism, frankly, right, of Donald Trump. He shut down the country, which was sort of playing into the hands of the left at the time and causing all kinds of ripple effects and controversies from which we're still suffering, right? What do you think the 3.5% unemployment is? If, uh, forgive me, inflation. We also have increasing unemployment, but 3.5% inflation is about, I mean, we're still dealing with the hangover effects of having shut down for so long, but there were other things going on. There were a lot of people within the establishment that really were getting antsy because they didn't like Fox and they certainly didn't like its talent, whether that be me or whether that be Tucker Carlson. I mean, wow. I actually think that Rupert Murdoch parting ways with Tucker Carlson had a lot to do with pressure from government, including Chuck Schumer, including AOC. In fact, AOC made a comment on MSNBC on Jen Psaki's weekend program the Sunday before the Monday that they parted ways with Tucker Carlson. But here, let me show you, is Chuck Schumer reacting, ladies and gentlemen, to some of the tapes that Tucker Carlson put forward tapes that, by the way, like we all own as taxpayers, right? Like we should have access to those tapes. Why were we only allowed to see Nancy Pelosi's daughter's tapes? Why not run it all? Put it out there for everybody to see. Here we go. Watch. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers 
the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. <laughs> There's nothing that shameful that has ever appeared on American television in the history of the medium. And so, on the basis of that, the self-evident outrage of showing the public video that it paid for and has a right to see, Chuck Schumer called for the censorship of that video. Any information, and he did not dispute that it was accurate, the damages a storyline his party constructed and used must be squelched. And Schumer was explicit on that point. Because that video contradicted lies told by the Democratic Party, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, Chuck Schumer demanded that our bosses pull this show off the air. He's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. I urge Fox News to order Carlson to cease propagating the big lie on his network and to level with their viewers about the truth, the truth behind the efforts to mislead the public. Conduct like theirs is just asking for another January 6th to happen. Ooh, okay, you see, you see what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that there was just a really big emphasis there on doing whatever they could, the Democrats, that is, to ensure that, in fact, Tucker Carlson was not on the air, that, that there were things that, that shouldn't be talked about. I mean, whether you go back to coronavirus days and story came out today, actually about the doctor out in Stanford, at Stanford University, who taught public health, economics, and policy. And he had authored a paper in conjunction with Oxford and Cambridge. And he had, he had all the people within the health department at HHS at the Biden administration telling social media companies, you got to take this down. And what did they do? They did. So, look, I get that they're scary times. I get that Rupert Murdoch and company and family, et cetera, were, were scared, you know what, Liz. Like, they were, they were frightened. I mean, he's, he's like, what, 93? He's probably like frightened he's going to die of COVID himself, right? Like, he's worried. I get that. And then on top of that, he's worried that his entire empire would just go up in smoke because Chuck Schumer decided he didn't like what was being broadcast. And you got a Democrat administration. You have a team over here of never Trumpers led by Bill Kristol. And they got a lobbying group saying that they want to pull the licenses away from Fox broadcasters. You know, the local stations they are saying they don't have a right to these licenses. Don't forget, Rupert Murdoch had already gone through that whole sky deal over in the UK. They decided over there that he was not a proper enough broadcaster. You know, he, did, he didn't play by the rules that they that they deemed acceptable there in the UK, and he couldn't get that deal through. So I'm sure that part of that was, of course, covering or coloring his decisions in terms of what he ultimately decided to do. I mean, I just keep getting back to the place being really, really badly managed, and so you didn't have a head honcho kind of taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, and helping to run that newsroom and therefore make sure that you didn't wind up in situations where you were paying nearly a billion dollars to the likes of Dominion. I mean, how do you like that? They get this big honcho lawyer, Viet Dean, in there. This is the guy that actually drafted the Patriot Act under Bush. So he comes in to, quote-unquote, run Fox News. I mean, they have the 
the assistant, the former assistant to Roger Ailes, who worked her way up, you know, God bless her. She's hard worker. She's done a great job, but not that great, right? Who becomes the head, the CEO of Fox News. But was that sort of just a name only because they've got this other lawyer behind the scenes running the show who's being paid oodles of money, some $10 million a year, some, some reports of a $23 million parachute when he left, plus a two-year consulting gig to the tune of $5 bucks. For having cost the company nearly a billion dollars. I mean, this is what is so crazy to me, right? Like, how are you ever going to move forward, Mr. Murdoch, when you got people that clearly do not know what they're doing? You know what? You guys should have either fought that one to the bitter end or just settled it initially, like for nothing. (laughs) Instead, instead, you paid $787 million plus another twenty-three. million on the way out the door to the lawyer, plus another 10 or five, whatever it was for him to consult for the next couple of years. I mean, it's like almost comical, but it's so obvious. You know, there, there's a guy, God rest his soul, right? Roger Ailes that built the place. And we all know the bad stuff about him. But on the other hand, and this is not to condone anything, by the way, this is, you know what, I, I feel for all of those women. I've heard their stories and it's horrible. So it's not to condone or, or to ignore in any way their, their concerns. But I'll tell you this, I mean, the guy ran a good shop, right? Because you didn't have this kind of craziness. They weren't paying $787 billion. I don't think you would have had a Dominion problem. I don't think you would have had a Smartmatic problem. I don't think you would have had a Tucker Carlson problem. I think I'd probably still be there. So that's the good news. I'm not, nor is Tucker. The good news is, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, let's get back to Michael Wolf's book. Michael Wolf with some explosive comments, which... I actually don't find that explosive. I've said forever, like this is not an organization that can survive. He foresees the end of Fox News. Duh. Like if nothing else, we're all over here. We're streaming. We're in the podcast world. We're live on Facebook right now. We are live on YouTube. I'm over on Rumble. I'm over on Twitter. I'm every, this is the future, ladies and gentlemen, in a 3D world where we can all talk to each other. It is a very, very different experience, obviously, than what you would get when one is on Fox. So anyway, this is the book, Fire and Fury, it is called, uh, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Dynasty. And it's coming out, I guess, September 26th. And he's predicting the end of the dynasty, the family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Look, there were a lot of problems with Tucker Carlson's ousting. He gets into some of that. He also says something interesting, which is that there were times that Rupert Murdoch wished Trump was dead. Wow. Okay. Tell us how you really feel. Doesn't surprise me. Because again, Trump was a problem for the Murdochs and for their empire. He was not controllable. And they wanted somebody who was more controllable. I'm sure that, that, that Bush perhaps was. You know, Bush, looking back on all this in some ways, you know, the Bush and the Bush family, they've made out like bandits here because now it's like, oh, wow, you know, they, they, were, they were always in trouble with the left before. And then Trump came in and it, it was like, they looked like saints, right? But I, I remember um, George Bush Sr. before he died. Lovely man. I met with him. My, um, my, my thanks to his, 
his nephew who set up this meeting in Kennebunkport, Maine. I was there with my family and I went and saw him and he was in very, very ill health, but he, he wanted to meet anyway. And it was during sort of the height of everything that was going on problematic wise there at Fox. It was during 2016. And he was very thankful to Fox and to Roger Ailes for he said helping to really build his career. He wasn't sure how he would have ever been president had it not been for their help. So I think there's there's some truth to that. He was being very humble in how he said that. But I think that the media does have a tremendous influence on things, or it did. It did in the old days when there were only so many players. I mean, I, 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 I tell my kids, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, when we talk about, you know, there was only back in the day, ABC, CBS, and NBC, and PBS. As a kid, I was only allowed to watch PBS, Sesame Street, and the Electric Company. That was like it. And then maybe Little House on the Prairie once a week. And that was all you had. And you know what? If you didn't catch it, you missed it. Good luck. You know, now we get to go watch it all, the reruns. But those options didn't exist. And so in terms of the nightly news scenario, you had a very controlled environment. And then along came cable. Wow, right? And a big story, as in the whole Monica Lewinsky, Clinton thing. And so with that, people were sort of glued to their TVs in new ways. And that introduction of cable changed everything. You didn't need network news anymore. You know, the Dan Rathers and Tom Brokaws and Peter Jennings of the world became suddenly passe. And the interesting thing now is it's happening again. And the companies that can keep up with that transition, and I think, I know you all hate Disney, but I think Disney might stand a chance. I mean, it's a wild gamble, right? They're rolling the dice here, but they want to get rid of ABC. They want to get rid of ESPN. They want to get rid of these legacy businesses and go all in on streaming. That's taking a big chance, but it's the chance you need to take if you're going to survive in this new environment. And I think that, no one's willing to take that chance at Fox in part because, Hey, why mess with a good thing? I mean, the cable companies got to pay you a whole lot of money in order for people to have Fox and people want Fox because they want to watch Jesse at eight o'clock or whoever, right? Like they, they want the five, they want that programming. But if you as a network, if you're Rupert Murdoch, you say, forget it, we're going to go stream. Well, that's taking a big chance and you're not going to make the same kind of money in the beginning, right? That you would when you're getting paid by the cable companies. So this indeed is effectively the problem, but eventually, you know, it's all going to change. And you get viewers that, you know, unfortunately, we're all getting older, right? We're all getting older and the viewers are getting older and the younger viewers or the kids, as they say nowadays, they're all over here. They're all like, they're on social media. They're, they're not, they don't understand like TV, like, I have to actually sit there and flip the channel. Like, it, it's foreign to them. Are they going to watch a commercial? Probably not. Here's the interesting thing. I was uh, with one of my kids the other day, and I was trying to watch this operatic soprano, because, you know, I love opera, singing Ave Maria. And there's just, just a beautiful, beautiful singer, Aida Giuflani. I'll have to double check that. Anyway, gorgeous singer. Beautiful young woman. Unfortunately for her, she's Russian, so probably her career is like on the, you know, not exactly on the upswing right now. We'll talk about Ukraine in just a little bit. But anyway, I had to sit through a commercial first, and I was like, ah, you know, and I'm trying to hit skip ad, skip ad. And my daughter looks at me and she's like, Mom, it's only 10 seconds. And I was like, wow, she's willing 
to sit through that 10 second ad to watch that clip. It's, it's just young kids think about this all so differently. But would she be willing to sit through commercials absorbing live TV, you know, for what, four minutes, three minutes of commercials, whatever they give you? Not really. Moreover, she doesn't want to sit in front of the TV with the remote. It's like a very, very different relationship. So I agree with Michael Wolf in that this medium is over. Fox News is over. And it's for reasons that could they control? Sure. I mean, again, I think if forgive me, I think he's 92. I said 93. Um, you just, you know, it, are, are the sons that invested? I think one of them is just mortified <laughs> that his family is in this business. And the other one's like, well, you know, I just bought a $151 million, or whatever it was, house in Beverly Hills. Um, so, you know, you can't argue with what, what, it, what it's paying you. But he really, Murdoch does not particularly like Donald Trump. And so, again, I'm just looking through some of the headlines, which are, are funny, um, and, and some of the, the colorful language that apparently uh, was used by some members of, of the family. It's, it's entertaining. I mean, there's, there's a lot here. I have to read it to really fully absorb what's going on. And Michael Wolf, I think you need to take with a grain of salt. He's never really liked Fox. I remember once when I first got to Fox, I had actually booked him as a guest because, well, he used to come on my Bloomberg show and I didn't know they had bad blood or anything. And PR was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't remember if we got him on or not. I, I have to remember because then it was like, oh, did we cancel him? They didn't necessarily want to cancel him because that would be tipping him off that he wasn't necessarily most favored nation. But um, those were games that I was introduced to that I, I didn't quite, you know, I hate to say I was this naive, but I didn't understand that sort of dynamic. I mean, I get it. He had said a lot of bad things about Fox, and so they didn't want him on the air. And I, I didn't know that or have the history to have been able to understand that. But this is, uh, this is interesting. It looks as though this, you know, it, it, he's got a lot packed in here. He's got a lot in terms of the Tucker firing. I do think, as I, I just showed you, that the, the Chuck Schumer push to really put the pressure on Murdoch was significant. According to Michael Wolf, Murdoch was like, what do I do? Do I get rid of Hannity or do I get rid of Tucker? And he was like, what's the most bang for my buck? This is what I'm saying, though. Like, if you're Hannity or Tucker, like, who needs it? If I'm Hannity right now, I'm like, you know, thank you very much, guys. I, I, I have my nice radio show. I can do everything I want on my own. And I can probably make just as much money or close to it, maybe more, and not deal with your insanity. So I think they're going to have a really hard time hanging on to people. And I think as more and more slough away, they're going to be left with a shell. And the viewers left saying, well, I don't really know if I trust what this anchor is saying because this anchor can't be so forthcoming. This opinion host can't be so forthcoming because that's just the way of the world right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I want to turn to Merrick Garland because Merrick Garland is getting grilled on Capitol Hill today. I mean, there's some people that are just, you know, Totally building them up onto some kind of pedestal, which is just funny to watch. But let's start with the headline here, because you know, of course, Hunter Biden is in deep doo-doo. And thus his dad, Pops, is in really big doo-doo. I mean, he's, he's got this impeachment inquiry going on. I'm still waiting for, for somebody to subpoena Hunter. 
there. I mean, we kind of need to know stuff. It's going to get harder now that there's a special counsel involved, though. Anyway, so one of the gripes about the special counsel, David Weiss, was that when he was the U.S. attorney in Delaware, he didn't have full range to actually do all that he needed and wanted to do in terms of going after Hunter Biden. And the reason, allegedly, according to the whistleblowers, was because, you know, he had kind of a powerful dad. And so they were getting roadblocks everywhere they went. And finally, Gary Shapley and another one, the two of them came out and they said, listen, enough is enough. Like, we don't have a political axe to grind here, but we're really kind of upset that we can't actually do our jobs because this guy is related to somebody pretty powerful. Well, the question then became, what exactly was the DOJ saying? What kind of pressure was on David Weiss? And why on earth did Merrick Garland put him in as special counsel? I know he wanted to be special counsel. Why do you feel he had to be special counsel? He couldn't do enough on his own. And then it's, it's against the rules. Like, legally, you're not even supposed to put somebody who is already working for the government in a special counsel because that kind of destroys the whole point of special counsel. And so Merrick Garland was asked about this, and this is fascinating, this exchange, because he's effectively taking the fifth, for goodness sakes. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And this tells me there's some there there, and we need to ask questions. Do we not, ladies and gentlemen? Watch, tell me yourself. Can you tell us about any briefings or discussions that you personally have had with Mr. Weiss regarding any and all federal investigations of Hunter Biden. I'm going to say again, I promised the Senate that I would not interfere with Mr. Weiss. So you have not, I'm just under oath today, your testimony is you have not had any discussions with Mr. Weiss about this matter? Under oath, my testimony today is that I promised that the, uh, the Senate I would not um, intrude in his investigation. I do not intend to discuss the liber- internal Justice Department deliberations, uh, whether or not I had them. Oh, okay. So your, your testimony today is you're not going to tell us whether you've had discussions with Mr. Weiss. My testimony today is I told the committee that I would not interfere. I made clear that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring cases that he thought were appropriate. Okay. Mr. Weiss's All letter. Right. Okay, let me stop you. For, for a second time, sir. Are you aware that FBI officials have come before this committee and they have stated that there was a cumbersome bureaucratic process that Mr. Weiss had to go through to bring charges in another judicial district? Do you know that? I'm not aware, but that's not true. There's nothing cumbersome about the process. So those All whistleblowers are to- lying to us under oath? They're, those whistleblowers are lying? I didn't say that. that. Their, their description of the process is cumbersome <laughs> is an opinion. It's not a fact question. All I have to do is okay, sign a right, section. Let me get to the fact. Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018, correct? I'm sorry? Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018. Now, here's the question. He's been the lead the, the, prosecutor since he was assi- appointed by President Trump. Okay. Why? Let me ask you. Why has the Justice Department dragged this investigation out for so long? Does it really take years to determine if Hunter Biden lied on a federal form related to purchasing a firearm? Mr. Weiss was a long-time career prosecutor. President Trump appointed him as... You're not answering the question. Is that standard procedure? Should it take that long to make such a simple determination? I'm answering the question. Mm -hmm. Give me an opportunity to do so. Okay. He was charged uh, with that investigation under the previous administration. He's continued. He knows how to conduct investigations, and I have not intruded or attempted to evaluate that because that was the promise I made to the Senate. The whistleblowers uh, gave us testimony about serious misconduct at the Justice Department in regards to the preferential treatment afforded Hunter Biden. Has your office requested an investigation into that? 
Uh, there are well-known processes for how whistleblowers make their claims. I am a strong proponent of whistleblowers and a strong defender. We have an inspector general's office. We have an office of professional responsibility. That is the way in which complaints from whistleblowers should be and are appropriately handled. Mm. Was that not great? Right? Like, I'm looking at your comments here. Everybody weighing in. Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Way to go. Smart guy. I, I wonder. He's, he's probably a lawyer by background. They all seem to be. Anyway, very, very good questioning of Merrick Garland there. I mean, Merrick Garland is basically saying, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Which tells me he's got something to tell him. Right? Like, how could he not? I mean, really, just incredible. I mean, I don't need to relitigate the whole thing, but when you hear CNN and MSNBC say, oh, there's no evidence to lead to an impeachment, just remember, you know what, there is. There's all these bank records. All of these bank records, you're looking at Burisma Holdings sending all this money to Rosemont Seneca. Burisma Holdings is that energy company. Interestingly, I find it weird that Hunter was always representing energy companies for all the, we don't want fossil fuels. Like somehow Hunter's lobbying gigs all centered around these energy companies, Nat Gas there in Ukraine, an energy company in China that he was working with where, you know, they're giving him diamonds at dinners in Florida. How is that not like some kind of major money laundering, tax evasion, something, right? I mean, for, for everybody to sit there and say, no, there, there's no evidence. Come on, guys. You know what? There's some weird stuff. Now, you may say, oh, well, we haven't been able to link it to Joe Biden's bank accounts. Well, I'm sorry. Like, there's still plenty of other stuff. There just is. I mean, and yet, and yet, and yet, it's somehow, it's somehow, the Republicans, the MAGA ones, because, you know, they want to distinguish for whatever reason that is, probably just, just tear us apart some more. The MAGA Republicans that are going to just destroy our democracy and our great republic, give me a break. For all the time they spend attacking me and my plan, here's what they never do. They never talk about what they want to do. No, no. Think about it. They tell you what they're against. What are they for? It's like they want to keep it a secret. I don't blame them. <laughs> Come on. Well, today I mean, so this is, you know, that's, that's, that's their party line. You're going to hear more of it. I think they're kind of freaking out because there's a new survey today, a new poll. It's just basically 70% of America no longer has any faith in its institutions. But why would it? I mean, look at our border. Here, this is actually coming to us. We were just talking about Fox from Fox. So thank uh, you Emily. for this, Fox. Oh, here you go. Here you, they you are got, looking at all the migrants flooding across the border. adult men being let through now. So every person who was just let through is a uh, appears to be a single adult male. Brian, if we can turn around really quick. I don't know if they're all with the same group. Let me try to ask them really quick. Hola, hablas okay. español? ¿De dónde son? ¿De dónde son? Ghana. 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 You're from Ghana. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Haiti. You're from Haiti? Yeah. You're from Haiti? Yeah. And why did you decide to come right now? Why did you decide to come right now? Yeah, ¿por qué estás viendo... ¿Por qué decidiste venir aquí ahora en los Estados Unidos? Yo vivía en, en Chile. You live in Chile? But you're from Haiti? I'm from Haiti, so I'm living down in Chile for, for five years. Okay, so why did you decide to come? Yo quiero venir ahí en Estados Unidos porque allá es donde estaba en Chile. He says he wants to live here in the United States. Um, where, where, where is everybody else from? ¿Hay alguien aquí que puede hablar inglés? Where? Haiti? Haiti? Why did you decide to come here? Uh, Brazil. 
Pardon? Brazil. Brazil. Okay, You're so from Brazil. He's from Brazil. So you get some people from Brazil, from Haiti. They're not from Mexico. They're certainly not women and children, right? I mean, they, they give us a big song and dance about the women and children. Now, again, that's just anecdotal, and it's just for one moment in time. But I think overall what we're dealing with, of course, is increasingly a mega problem at the border. Joe Biden has no solution. Kamala Harris won't even go to the border, yet she's been charged with it. And somehow Attorney General Merrick Garland, though he has, has promised to deal with this fentanyl crisis, which is severe, I mean, every day you pick up the paper and more headlines about people dying from this. I have a lot to say on that. I'm going to save it for a later episode because it's like we're reliving history. Just think about those opium wars back in the 1800s in China. They also had a very porous southern border. And at that time, it was the Western Europeans that were bringing in all these drugs, opium being the main one, right, that that came in through that poor southern border and nobody could do anything about it. It was just like payback because the fentanyl is being manufactured in China, comes to Mexico right up through our southern border. And yet these idiots on Capitol Hill, here's Democrat Lou Correa, who's like somehow praising this administration. I mean, you just, you, you keep drinking the Kool-Aid, buddy. You know, just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. Um, Want to turn our attention to something very interesting, more important The most important thing on Main Street today in my district is drug addiction, narcotics, trafficking, fentanyl. I'm going to quote you June 23rd of this year. You said, and I open quote, the U.S. government continues to do everything in our power to disrupt fentanyl trafficking and to prevent more of our communities from being devastated by the fentanyl epidemic. You went on to say we are targeting every step of the movement, manufacturing, and the sale of fentanyl from start to finish. Mr. Garland, I believe that the only thing that cartel leaders fear is a United States prison. I want to thank you for the good job. You recently extradited uh, Oviedo Guzman Lopez, El Chapo's son. Thank you very much for that good job. Yeah. All right. Like, what, what world are we living in, right? Where they're, they're, they're doing a good job? I'm sorry, but... The border situation is totally out of control. We have more and more people coming into this country illegally every day. Do we need to go back to the video out of New York or out of Chicago where residents are flipping out? Or how about the mayor himself, Eric Adams, who's like, this is out of control, who tells us New York City is no longer going to be New York City if they keep sending these migrants to New York City? Right? I mean, here we go. Here's the Chicago residents that are totally livid about the whole thing. I don't want them there. Take them someplace else or send them back to Venezuela. I don't care where they go. This is wrong. You got 73% of the people homeless in this city are black people. What have you done for them? She's not happy. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see and ended to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just feels, by the way. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. I don't want them there. Take them someplace else or send them back to Venezuela. I don't care where they go. 
All right, all right. So you know what? The people are not happy. KJP, you can pretend and say he's done more than anyone, but you got your own Democrat mayor there in New York going, oh my gosh, like, we're kind of screwed here. Like, New York is not going to be New York anymore because you guys can't get a handle on this. You got people in Chicago saying, what the heck? Why are you giving six months free hotel to these migrants that are coming across the border along with phones and this, that, and the other? Look, it's totally out of control. You got to ask yourself why. I mean, there's a whole conspiracy thing. We, we could go down that path, but I'll, I'll save that one for another day. I do think it's interesting when you consider China right now and you consider like they have a very long memory and they may be like, well, they did this to us back in the day. I mean, we have a big problem. We have a big problem with this fentanyl addiction and, and nobody's doing anything about anything. Thank you very much. I mean, that's what's just so terribly frightening. As I mentioned at the start of the show, our main sponsor here from the very beginning from day one has been LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. Just a terrific group there. We are very fond of those guys. Charles is going to be on the show next week. I was kind of hoping he'd come on today, but uh, alas, his schedule wouldn't allow for it because we've got a Federal Reserve that has just told us they are going to leave rates again the same. And my trouble with this is that this Federal Reserve has been wrong over and over and over again. I mean, gosh, I should run the Federal Reserve, right? What did I tell you? Way back in August 2020, when Donald Trump handed out the second stimulus check, I said, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. I remember some of my production team being like, hey, Trish, you know, like, look, I just call it like I see it, you know, and 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 I like Donald Trump and his policies very, very much. But on that one, I was like, just be cautious. Because if you have the federal government giving out money while simultaneously the Federal Reserve keeps printing money, boom, you're going to have inflation like you never saw before. And what happened? Joe Biden comes in. He gives out a third stimulus check. And he's not satisfied with just that. Oh, no, he's going to do multiple rounds of stimulus, including that IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, which just added to, ladies and gentlemen, Ta-da! More inflation. So now the Fed comes out today, says it's going to hold steady, but they're penciling in one more increase this year, which is kind of funny because they're going to so mess themselves up. They don't want to have to raise rates right before an election, but that's what they're going to do. And so you're going to have more inflation, which is going to cause not to, I mean, they're going to have to do it this next time, but they're going to have to do it again. And they're going to have to do it again. And what do you know? You run the risk of a real recession right before an election. So, wow, they've got to be really freaked out about Donald Trump winning. When you look at all these polls and you see the success, right, of all of these polls right now and you see that Donald Trump is climbing, 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 and you think about the economy and you think about war and you think about gas prices, which, hey, last month were up 10.4%, and you think about the border, Well, that is a recipe for getting Donald Trump elected again. It is. You know, Rupert Murdoch won't be happy. (laughs) You know, he's he's really, really not going to be happy. But that is that is the people saying, okay, like we this isn't working for us and we don't believe you, which is why the new poll shows 70 percent of people no longer have any faith in our institutions. The more you try and muzzle us. The more we lack trust, the more we lack faith. And that is, I think, fundamentally, really and truly the issue here. It's great to see you guys. I love your responses here, by the way. I love your responses. 
on uh, on what we saw from Garland and and the sort of gymnastics he was doing, right, linguistically. And the guy from Louisiana just wasn't having any of it. Very, very interesting to see. We do have, for sure, a a border problem. And some of you, like Spencer, are pointing to George Soros and this idea of, you know, an open society. And that's all great, like in the panacea of things. But there is something called reality. And I think the distinction, the difference right now between the most liberal people and those that are independents and in the middle and those that are right of the middle is that everybody else is grounded in reality. Like it's very easy to say, sure, we want to open up our border and do this. And this is very, very nice. Oh, we don't want any police. We don't want any police until actually the criminals start coming for us. I think the difference here is those of us that are are rooted in some kind of reality, some kind of logic, we want to make sure that people are protected. And that includes, for example, our kids. I want to show you some really incredible, compelling video that is just out. And it's of some kids in Pennsylvania that have said, you know what? We're done. We don't want the boys using the girls' room. Thank you very much. And they have every right. I mean, come on. This is so beyond, beyond the beyond, right? I mean, the idea that somehow you feel like a, you feel like a a girl today and you get to use the ladies room. It's not right. And it's not fair to the girls. I mean, you're trying to protect this 0.01% instead of building them their own multi-gender restroom, you have to make a point of letting them, the boys, use the girls' room because they feel like girls or they identify as girls today. Well, kids, kids now are saying, forget about this. Watch this video. It's really great. All of these kids walking out and the line just goes on and on and on and on. Look at this. They're holding up signs. They've had it. kids you know i mean at some point don't they matter don't their opinions matter maybe take a vote why is it that every girl has to deal with guys coming into the restroom because of a political agenda that these lefties and extremists are trying to push I said years ago, you know, I don't think this is much of a story. I remember my, my old producer and I from Fox, actually, she and I were talking about this the other day. She's like, remember when? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, why are we doing this story? She brought it to me. And I was like, Ugh. like, I, I mean, this, this can't have legs. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I mean, I don't think this is fair. My whole point was like, what about girls? We're the feminists. Like, why can't you stand up for young women? But I kept saying, this, this can't possibly matter because it's such a small fragment of the population. But when that small fragment of the population takes over and becomes effectively a bullying machine, and suddenly you're transphobic if you don't want to use the restroom with the people that may be identifying as a girl on a given day, suddenly you're the girl being put in the bad spot. I mean, I really think that there's kind of a war on woman, women going on, on female athletes, on young women that want to have some boundaries that they're telling you you can't and that you're 
transphobic if you dare to say, I, I don't think this is right. Or you're, you know, better yet a Karen. That's their whole thing too. You know, any, any girl who speaks up is being marginalized. They've done this to men for sure, the whole mansplaining thing, et cetera. And now they're doing it to women in an attempt to totally destroy and to divide and to dissect our society, to get us into the most marginalized group and to then allow those super marginalized groups to have all the power. Well, these kids, they get it. They know what's right and what's wrong. They know they have a voice, which is why they're out there marching. I'm, I'm betting you anything, you're going to see more of this, ladies and gentlemen, more of this, because they matter too. So congratulations to them. I hope they get the situation rectified there. And I think that we need more young people just saying, you know what, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up to this. I'm not going to swim in the pool with the person who suddenly feels female. Like that's, I'm just, you know, nothing I get, by the way, I, I've, I've worked in the performing arts my whole life. Like I've known a lot of very diverse people and adore them. So this has nothing to do with being discriminatory or not empathetic or anything like that. I'm just saying what's fair is fair. Okay. You, you were born with a different set of, you know, hormones, including testosterone, which helps to build more muscle. And so if I were the girls, I'd say, you know what? Hey, see ya. I'm not racing today. I don't need that. Just like those girls can say, have another bathroom, have another swimming lane. <laughs> right? Anyway, it is great to see you all. Thank you again. Reminder, please make sure that you subscribe. Very good to see you. Thank you again. I, I love seeing all of Jake. Welcome back, Jake72. Um, Trish Regan for Fed Chair. Chuck, thank you. You know what? I wouldn't wish that job on anyone either, but all it takes is common sense. Common sense. I kept saying that at the time. I'm like, how does Jerome Powell and the rest of them, how do they not have any common sense? And people said to me, well, you know, it's hard. Like, it's really a lot of pressure. You don't want to get it wrong. I know you don't want to get it wrong. But to me, it was obvious. It was obvious. You keep printing money, buddy, and you're going to get inflation. And they just effectively told us today, hello, inflation. It's coming and it's going to hold on here. Stronger growth promoted, uh, prompted officials to project that rates will stay higher for longer in 2024. Of course they should. 18 minutes ago, we got word from the Federal Reserve in this conference. They're saying that inflation is going to fall to 2%. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, wishful thinking, look, I hope they're right. I hope they're right. The market's sort of taking in stride up about 85 points right now, a quarter of a percentage point at 34,606 on the Dow. Uh, I think inflation's here. I think you got to prepare for it. You got to be diversified as a result of it. You, you, you probably want to be in equities, right? Because that's what's going to keep up with inflation. And hopefully earnings, you know, we're not in a stagflation environment. Hopefully earnings keep up with the inflation we're seeing. You look at gold. There's lots of different ways to diversify. I encourage you to do so. We're going to keep the conversation going tomorrow. I may even be back with a little bit more news later today. But thank you again. Make sure to hit the bell if you haven't. I'll see you tomorrow.